G'day and welcome to Occupied. My name's Brock Cook and this is your fortnightly podcast for all things occupation and occupational therapy. Today, I'd like to have a look at the concept of minimalism and how I feel it seems to relate quite closely to some of the concepts we see in occupational therapy. G'day everyone and firstly I would like to send out a massive thank you for your continued support. The The number of people that are giving me amazing positive feedback uh, about this podcast continues to amaze me that people would even listen. <laughs> so anything above and beyond that is a bonus and it's just been almost overwhelmingly positive. So thank you very much. Now on to the real topic of discussion so I was introduced to the concept of minimalism by an amazing friend of mine who was at the time just starting her journey to become a more authentic version of herself. So we, the reason we got onto the topic was that we'd both seen this documentary on Netflix called Minimalism by these two guys, Joshua Fields Milburn and Ryan Nicodemus, who, funnily enough, called themselves the minimalists. So once I'd sort of watched this film and sort of, uh, it, the film's about their journey in discovering minimalism, their efforts to promote it, what it's brought to their lives, how it's enhanced their lives, essentially. Now, I know what you're thinking, more than likely because it's exactly the same as what I was thinking when I first, before, before, when I first found the documentary, but before I'd watched it. And it was along the lines of, what is it? You have this image in your head that minimalism is about some kind of forced poverty where you're living without and getting rid of your worldly goods and that kind of stuff, where... It's really not. The concept that these two guys promote around minimalism is about living the most authentic version of yourself, but living within what you actually need. So their basic theory is that majority of us live with so many items in our house that are just completely unnecessary. We hang on to them and we tell ourselves that they have sentimental value. We hang on to things and tell ourselves that we might need it one day. And we hang on to things and tell ourselves that it'll, it'll have a purpose. It will have a purpose in the future. So minimalism is a lifestyle that helps people question what things actually add value to their life. And by clearing the clutter out of one's life, we can make room for the more important aspects of life, health, relationships, passion, growth, contribution. The basic idea is that uh, if you were looking into starting along a minimalism uh, path would be that you literally only keep the things in your life that add value, that give you joy, that actually add something to your life. It sounds, I know how it sounds, it sounds very sort of airy-fairy. But one thing myself and this friend did was uh, what was called a 30-day minimalism challenge. So what we did was for 30 days, every day, we would throw out or donate or give away that, the, whichever day it was, that number of items. So day one, we rid ourselves of one item. Day two, we rid ourselves of two items. Day three, we rid ourselves of three items. This was surprisingly easy up until about day 15, when you actually had to make some really dis hard decisions and start challenging yourself. What we both found is that, number one, we had so many things 
in our house, stored in cupboards that we just never used. In one way, it was kind of funny because I was finding things that I hadn't even looked at in well since I moved here like six years ago, which is it makes you wonder like well why am I keeping these things? They're not adding value to my life because I haven't even looked at them. And that's the basic concept of minimalism. It's about not hanging on to things. It's about making room in your life. Their, uh, I guess, rudimentary theory is that we have a connection with these things. And if these things aren't adding value to our life, it's taking up valuable room in our life that we could be connecting with things that do. Their perspective is if we get rid of physical items, then, you know, we have more room and more connection ability to make, to put into our relationships, to put into activities and experiences that we will actually get joy from. The whole concept comes down to trying to make people happy. It's about being happy in your life. And that's something I think everyone is looking for. Most of us are looking for it from things which is the the big difference. We are constantly looking to get that promotion, to upgrade that piece of technology, to buy that new book, buy that new movie, buy that bigger TV. The majority of the time, these purchases aren't made for function. These purchases are made to make us happy. And granted, there are some items that, yes, do give us joy when we purchase them. Technology items. I don't know where I would be without my computer, without my MacBook. It runs my life. It's what I record these podcasts on. I record a lot of my lectures on. I make a lot of my slides. I make a lot of my presentations. I keep in contact with my friends. I store all of my photos. I edit my photos. I do a lot of graphic design for different projects that I've got. Like My life is pretty much stored and run on this computer. It brings me a lot of joy. I also have some other technologies that I don't use as much. I have a Kindle. I don't use it. I very rarely will read off my Kindle. And it's about looking at those items and coming to a determination about whether or not they have a place in your life, taking up your valuable attention and your valuable space. One rather extreme way that one of these guys uh, determined what items were actually important to him was he boxed up like as if he was moving he boxed up absolutely everything he owns and put it in his garage then gradually as he needed certain items he would go and get them from the garage what he says is after six months whatever hadn't been unboxed got donated or tossed or given away and what he was left with was essentially the very bare essentials of what items added value and that he enjoyed in his life. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not advocating everyone to go and get some removalist boxes and to put all of your things in storage. You can if you want, though, but that's definitely not the purpose of what I'm trying to do here. What I'm actually looking at is a revelation uh, on reflection that I came to while exploring a lot of these concepts. So I started with the movie. I uh, did this minimalism challenge with my friend. They also have a podcast called The Minimalists. 
and they have a, a quite extensive blog. I think it's minimalist.com where there is just tons and tons of information that these two guys are putting out there about minimalism, stories around it, and helping people with, through specific queries that they may have around items, relationships, that kind of stuff, and how it might be looked at from a minimalist point of view. What I came across in looking at all of this different material from these guys and looking into some of the stuff that other people are putting out there around minimalism was a distinct link that I felt was with a lot of our concepts that we look at with OT, specifically the actual concept of occupation. So we are looking at, when we're looking at occupation, we are looking to see if certain activities have meaning, if they have a purpose, and we're looking at that from an individual point of view. So if we're looking to try and see if Someone can get back into, say, playing a sport. They might play netball. We're looking to see if it gets, if they can get back into playing netball. We need to know why they're doing it. What is the meaning? What do they get out of it? Is it bringing them joy? Sound familiar? If we find that something that they're doing isn't meaningful to them, are we going to force them to go back into doing it? I hope everyone said no. I think there is a lot of value in looking at the bare essentials of a person's life. I feel that in modern time, modern society, we've fallen into this consumer trap where we are constantly looking to buy happiness. We get a TV. Then a few years later, that TV stops bringing us as much joy as it may have originally. There's a newer model. It's got fancier features. We need to buy this new model in order to get that joy back. We do it with telephones. Look at Apple. How many people are buying the new iPhone every time it comes out purely and simply because it's the new iPhone? There could be very little difference between your current iPhone and your next iPhone. And that is quite often the case. And I am 110% guilty of this. I It's something I've always done is I've always needed the latest model of everything. And I think back and I reflect on that and I wonder why. Why do I need to upgrade my phone? My phone is perfectly working perfectly. There is no reason to update it other than there's a new version. I need to update my computer because I want a new one. There's no other reason other than I want it. I updated my iPad because the new one I could use a pen with. And I don't use it as much as I should anyway. What happens is almost like a domino effect in that we are constantly looking to buy our happiness and therefore we need to constantly upgrade our income in order to sustain this need. So we tell ourselves that we need a bigger house. We need a flasher car. We then need to constantly strive to get that promotion get an updated job, an upgraded job, go for that new position. And quite often people get caught in the trap of taking positions that are higher or better paying than they currently have purely for the money. There is nothing wrong with staying in a job that you love. If you love your job, why change? If it's not broke, why fix it? 
Now, in exploring a lot of these concepts that these guys were bringing up, I found myself thinking about it from an occupational perspective. And I found myself exploring the concept of occupational needs and our personal values. If I have a set of, say, the five, any five occupational needs that I need to fill with occupations, any occupation. It could be a creative need, an employment need, an altruistic need, etc., etc. It could be anything. If I am not filling those needs with things that really hold a lot of value to myself, then I'm not going to be very happy with my current situation. Some people will look at that as from an occupational balance point of view. Some people will look at it from a well-being point of view. I'm not here to debate that. I'm just simply saying you will be aware that if you're not fulfilling your occupational needs, you're not going to be having a very good time. In today's consumer-driven society, when we're not fulfilling a need, we tend to very often turn to consumerism. I'm sure we've all heard, used, and probably thought about the concept, the imaginary concept, of retail therapy. If we're not feeling ourselves, we're not feeling happy, or we're bored, or we have this time, we go and buy things. It's a westernized trap that we seem to have fallen into, and it's something as OTs that we really need to be aware of, because the people that we work with are going to probably have similar thoughts in a lot of ways. I remember working with a a young fella uh, a few years ago who wasn't working at the time, but had this need, he felt this need that he always had to have the latest things. And it was purely and simply because other people around him had them. And what tended to happen really rapidly, usually, is he would save up his money or he would somehow get the money and he would buy whatever it was, say it was an iPhone, he would buy it. And within a few weeks, he was bored of it, he would sell it, and he would move on to the next thing. It might be a PS4, and he would buy that, and he would enjoy that for a couple of weeks, and he would be really excited about it when he first got it, and then after a few weeks, he would get bored, he would sell it, and he would buy an Xbox, and then he would play that for a few weeks. And this cycle continued so often because he would see ads on TV, or he would see other people that he knew that had these items and he interpreted that their life was was happy. In his head, that meant that if he bought that particular item, he would also be happy. Unfortunately, it never worked that way, so he was constantly chasing this magic happy pill of whichever item it was going to be that would magically make him happy. And because the items that he was buying were making him happy for that short period of time, it was almost like an addiction in that he would have that big fix when he first bought this new item and then it would wear off. It wouldn't have the same effect for him. So he would hock it, sell it, uh, trade it and then go on to the next item that he'd seen someone using that was happy. And it was a cycle that went on. I worked with him for a year and a half and it was a cycle that continued the whole time that I worked with him. And he he never reached that level of happiness that he was hoping 
to, to get from these items. Combining some of these experiences that I've had with people that I work with and combining that with my own experiences, I was constantly looking at, okay, you know, we're going to get a pay rise and I can buy all these things. And that was usually the first thing I did whenever I got a uh, my tax back or even my pay, my, my fortnightly pay would be to go and buy something. A lot of that stuff I had just sitting around my house for no reason. It may have given me joy. It may have made me happy for that short period after I purchased it. I'd say you'd probably refer to it something like a honeymoon period. But after a while, it just became another thing. It wasn't anything that I held close that gave me any joy that fit with my values. A lot of the things I was buying weren't authentic to me. They weren't authentic to my occupational needs and my values. So even though I was definitely engaging in occupations and on the surface level, I guess you could look at it as I was high functioning occupationally, etc. I didn't feel on a deeper level that what I was doing really aligned well with the values of who I am and who I wanted to be. And I think that in today's society, the vast majority of people are probably in a very similar situation. The lo- a lot of people that I work with were doing things that had very had meaning for them, but on a very superficial level. I guess what I'm really looking at here is how can we use this insight in occupational therapy practice. Meaning isn't just meaning. There are different levels of meaning. I feel that if we are really able to make a deep connection with the people that we work with and actually explore with them their value systems, we will be able to come up with some much deeper and more effective and amazing occupational connections and improve their occupational performance in a much more fulfilling way. I've long thought that OTs don't delve deeply enough into the meaning of occupation for the people that they work with. It's something that I've tried really hard in my own clinical practice to try and learn different ways that I'm able to do that. When you are able to get a good grasp of a person's values and why they do certain occupations, why they choose certain occupations over others, the world's your oyster. And all of a sudden, everything that we do make sense to the person as well. We are there to help them get back into their daily occupations, whatever that may be. But we're also there to try and improve their life and let them live the most authentic life that they can. We want them to be the individual that they are. If these are things that we don't want, then we're probably in the wrong profession. We're not just about health, we're about well-being. So we need to take into account all of these other holistic health factors, not just the absence of illness or disease. I'm not here to try and convince you that minimalism is the way of life that's going to work for everyone, for you, for your clients, etc. That is absolutely not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to reflect on is the fact that these two guys came up with a way to live this very basic, very simple concept, these almost basic rules for living and leading a happy and fulfilling life. 
And the fact that I believe that these rules link so well with our concept of occupation and how we view the world. But I feel that we can still learn from some of the concepts that these guys are putting out. I feel like their understanding of the depth and meaning and connection that people have with everyday items and relationships and actions is almost further than we've got ourselves as a profession. Their understanding of how we interact with the world is so simple and so basic and able to be explained so well that I think that OTs really need to have a look at this kind of stuff because this is something that we have struggled with for decades is trying to help or find a way to explain what we do and how we view the world to the layman. We understand it. We know how we view the world. We know about our occupational perspective. We know about occupation. We know how occupation impacts people's health and well-being. We've always struggled had to explain it to other people. And that is to the absolute detriment of our amazing profession. The fact that we're not able to really simply and adequately express what we do and how we do it. I feel like these guys have almost stumbled upon it and stumbled upon it in a way that if OTs were to engage with some of the concepts that these guys promote, we would actually have a much better way of explaining what an OT is and what an OT does. Some of these concepts fit so well with occupation, it's almost tempting to use their definition instead of our own. Now, I'm not advocating that at all, obviously, because I believe that our understanding of the concepts of occupation and how they relate to people are a lot more advanced than some of the concepts put forward by these guys. But I think it's worth looking at. And I think OTs have struggled for a long time from about taking information in from other places other than from OTs. And I think that starts from way back at university where students are encouraged to find things in occupational journals, etc. We're very rarely taught, especially at an undergrad level, about being able to critically analyze other concepts from other areas and see if or how they could be applied to an occupational setting. This is what I'm advocating with regards to minimalism. I'm encouraging people to have a look. I will post the link to the Netflix film, the link to their website, all of their information if you want to have a browse and you are curious about it from a personal level or from a professional level. Have a think, have a reflect like I did and see if you can find a way or see if you also think that some of these values fit with occupational therapy. I am super keen to hear from anyone, positive or negative, whether you think they do or they don't. I am very keen to hear your opinion. I know it's a, a quite a foreign concept for a lot of people, but it's so logical that it's almost scary. I, from personal experience, can say that after doing the Minimalist Challenge, and I got so into it that I went for an extra seven days past the 30 days, which was like an extra 200 items or something, I ended up getting rid of, from my house, uh, all up close to 700 items. And I have not missed one of them. I had DVDs, books, games, uh, computer bits and pieces, all of this, re- 700 things in just over a month I got rid of. And I, it sounds weird, but I almost felt lighter. I felt freer. I didn't have this clutter in my life. 
and I was able to put more emphasis on the things that I could now very clearly see are important. And I believe that I became happier than I was before. I believe that the occupations I was engaging in were more authentically me because through that process of getting stuff that getting rid of stuff that wasn't important, I also had my view, my perspective, my eyes on the things that were important to me. It was 30 days of not just getting rid of stuff, but it was 30 days of introspection and trying to find out who I really was. And I found that amazingly valuable. And I think doing it from an occupational lens helped me learn as well as grow. Thanks a lot, guys. Feel free to get in contact with me. My email address, everything's on my website, brockcook.com. This podcast lives there along with some extra blog posts and stuff that I put up from time to time. I'm very keen to hear what you what you think. If you've looked into minimalism, if you take some of those values for yourself, let me know. And yeah, cheers for listening. Cheers for listening.